Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Sander Lanch podcast. Today, we are talking about The Way of Kings. We finished part two with chapter 28, and then we moved into the interludes with interlude four and interlude five, wherein Dalinar comes to an important decision. We have a chat with Yasna, and then in the interludes, we meet some new characters, Ryson, Risen, I don't know how you guys pronounce that, and Axes. Both interesting parties. Anyway, I'm Data, and with me today is... Joe. Jack. And Jamie. So hang on to something, everybody. The Sander Lanch is about to begin. So yeah, finished out part two. Uh, I think uh, we talked about expecting something major to happen. I guess you guys can decide if you feel like what happened was major at the end of a part. And then a couple of like jumps to other parts of the world to explore new stuff, new characters. What did you guys think of these three chapters? You know, I mean, it, it does, I guess, seem major to the plot. We, none of us expected Dalinar to be like, I'm retiring. So that was, you know, surprising. But uh, I wouldn't say like... It was a shocking twist. What a twist. Yeah, I know. But yeah, I was surprised. I was not expecting him to retire. I figured we'd at least have, which, you know, we may still have him around till the end of the book, but I figured we'd at least have him in his position until near the end of the book. But yeah, that was not the case. So I guess, though, it is like the end of the Australians version of of the book, the first part of the book. So maybe that's like... You know, if you if you had to buy it separately like they have it, then you'd be like, oh, my gosh, I got to go get the next one if you didn't buy both parts. Oh, is that where is this where it wraps up? I, we talked. Uh, about it. Nope. No, no, nope. Okay. doesn't wrap up. Okay. No, we still got a bit more. Hang on. I'm trying to skip ahead to see what chapter we get to without actually spoiling anything. <laughs> right. Uh, I think it's uh, here we go. Chapter 37. So 37 is just Snugans. like in the middle of part three. No, Come sorry. 36. 36. Oh, It'll be 36. 37 in my heart, Snookins. <laughs> 29. So yeah, now I'm three. annoyed. What if someone got you that, like, what if what if someone gifted you the book, yeah. not realizing it was a two-part? Then you're going to finish in the middle of a part. Right? That is a weird closure. place for them to finish the book. Yeah. They literally it, just cut it in half. It, it does say part one on the cover, but it's very tiny font. Like, if... If dear old granny picked this book up and thought, oh, this is an author my grandson likes and gave it to him, they'd look at him and just go, Gran, you only got me half the book. She's like, what? My glasses couldn't see that. Yeah, exactly. You know what? I, I mean, it, I don't think anywhere in the middle of part three, uh, because part three goes from 29 to 51, I don't think any place would be terrific to stop. But if you're going to stop in the middle of part three, that's not a terrible spot for it. Okay. Well, All data right. knows more than we do. So I just jumped there and read it and like, you know, end of 36. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Well, anyway, me not knowing that aside, you know, it was it was a, a chapter. You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of internal struggle there with Dalinar, a lot of back and forth, a lot of hitting things with a hammer. 
old flame coming to bother you, talking to your niece who tells you, hey, Chasm Fiends in, the, in this one picture are called Voidbringers. A lot of that. And then the interludes were fun, kind of interesting little tidbits and parts. We get to know a teeny bit more about Seth's people, so that's cool. Mm-hmm. And then uh, what was the other section? It was like, uh, oh, yeah, Axes, dude. Ares, like, as Joe calls him. Yeah, Ares, my new favorite character in this book. <laughs> uh, he seems Holy like a lot shit, of Sexy Drifter has been displaced. No, in this book. Yeah, well, Sexy Drifter hasn't shown up in this book, maybe. We don't well, know for sure. Well, yeah, I I think it might be the wit, but we don't know for sure. He's definitely my favorite known character in the book so far. He's That interlude was amazing. I, I hope that's not the <laughs> only... I hope that's not the only part we get with him because that was that was fantastic. Yeah, and so even though we didn't get to see Shalane, nice to know that she's hanging out with Jasna, drawing pictures. You know, good stuff. Excited to uh, to get into the next part and see what comes next. I know the interlude after this is Seth also, so it'll be interesting to see what's going on with him these days. Yeah, the uh... oh yeah, because at the top of the interludes it tells you who the three characters are. I'd kind of forgotten that. So yeah, the third one is Seth. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Axes is definitely uh, it's an interesting chapter. We're kind of on the opposite end of the continent from everything else that we've had. So that's part of the interest for me, at least. But also, it's just like his his interaction with the, the homeless guy or whatever is hilarious. And it, it reminds me slightly of some of uh, the scenes in Warbreaker on like in the alleys and stuff where except those were depressing because Vivenna is like trying to live on the street. And this one's just funny. Yeah, sure. It's good stuff. I like him. Excited to uh, also like, you know, one of the bigger questions that we've had, at least me, throughout the course of the book is like, how does this world work? And like here we have a guy that's actually trying to like catalog Spren mm-hmm. and understand like why they appear and what kind and how many there are. So like that's that's pretty cool. He's like he's like uh, he's trying to catch them all. You know, he's trying to yeah. be he's trying to be the very best that like uh, no one ever was to define them as his real test. Yeah, he didn't have to train him, but no. you know. And then yeah, we had uh, we had Risen, Risen. I don't, I, don't, I think I'm gonna call it call her Risen, but uh, she also uh, interesting little some character moments there. And I agree with you that Shinovar, where the Shin live, is uh, it's kind of mysterious, and I want to know more. And so having this one yeah. give us a little more information was fun. Yeah, even the fact that like their their lands sound more like ours than the rest of Roshar. With you oh. know their grass being normal, <laughs> or stupid as Risen calls it, right? Dull, dull grass. Yep. So I really liked the chapter with Dalinar. I thought, uh, you know, I was like Joe said, it was nice to see that. Oh, Shalan's drawing stuff with uh, Yasna. Yasna's uh, sticking her drawings on the fridge and sending them out to her <laughs> friends. That's cool. Unexpected conclusion there to that arc, I guess. So we'll see where that goes. I'm like, all right. Is this going to cause more problems, or is this going to so? Who, who fucking knows? But it was, it was, it was fun. I, I really like seeing Dalinar just working, you know, using his hammer to, and and his shard plate strength to just like, yeah, going to dig, dig dig the toilet pit, give the guys just a bit yeah. of a break. That was just a nice moment. It's like Dalinar really is the best of the Alethi that we've seen. He actually cares about other people. So of course he uh, needs to leave and not come back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the interludes, honestly, they the first time I read them, I'm just like, the hell was this? Because because <laughs> they were I mean, even the interludes that we had before. I mean, we had one where none of the characters in it were connected to the Stormlight characters that we've met. 
but because it had the Hoyt intrigue, we, and we had that guessing game going in of the three characters, which was like our, our attention was honed on that. Mm-hmm. And then you had the second interlude, which was Shalan's brother, so we still had a connection. And then the third one was Seth, who we'd already met. These ones, I'm just like, we actually just have no idea who these people are. Are they connected to what what else is going on? Who knows? I think there is a bit of one with Risen. I think they sort of make some oblique references to Seth yep. in there. But Axie's just like, no, oh, this is just some other dude off doing his own some other thing, some other place. And it was fascinating. Like, I actually went back and reread these after reading the first time. And the second reread, I'm just like, okay, there's a lot more fun knowing that these, I'm not expecting these to connect to what else is going on at any point, which I guess is the point of the interlude. So maybe I'm just an idiot. But like the Axie stuff was fascinating, but it, also, but it was just a bit like, okay, is this where's the relevance is this purely world building or is this going to come back in a big way so i guess that's what you're supposed to wonder when reading this yep i think another another thing first time i read axes is uh interlude so i got to the end it's like i feel like i understand spren less now than i did at the start of the book <laughs> it's probably true yeah yeah so i just i just don't know what to make of spren uh i'm glad joe brought up the pokemon thing because if he didn't i was gonna because i've been playing new pokemon snap on the switch again uh, oh nice yeah a lot of fun very zen very chilled out game and it's just oh yeah okay so this guy is just trying to study the pokemon there's like the one legendary out in the bay that he's trying to trying to research and <laughs> all that crap so yeah like in, inter- interludes were good they were better the second time yeah, that yeah i could see that because like you say you don't get from the first set of interludes the expectation that it's going to be completely disconnected and so i can see how coming up against it and it's like wait what is any of this about yeah and maybe i should have expected it again this is me not the brightest (laughs) but uh just it it threw me a bit is all i think every set of interludes in this book may have seth as the third in the set i'm not sure actually oh i mean it's been true of these first two at least I, i i think of the characters in the book i think seth is my favorite so far and we just haven't gotten to see much of him, so... No, but what we have seen has been fucking awesome. Yeah, it has. Agreed. <laughs> but yeah, I, that's one of the things I like about the interludes, is whether or not, you know, they're going to be connected to things later, and obviously I can't mention if we'll see any of these people again or if any of it is relevant, but it gives you... It gives Brandon, I guess, the chance to show you other parts of the world that aren't where the central part of our story is happening. And I appreciate like that world building aspect of yeah. it. Cause I just like and, world building stuff. Yeah. And that, that is very cool. And I appreciate like making it a world that lives and breathes beyond the main characters. I think that is very cool. I just wasn't expecting it at this point. Mm-hmm. I did see something popped up in just Instagram suggested stuff. And I'm sorry, I didn't click on it because I'm like, well, this could be spoiler ridden, but it was an interview with Henry Cavill. And was asking, oh, like, what's your favorite book series to read? And he said, oh, I love the Stormlight Archive because of the yep. world building in there. So I'm like, all right, I'm starting to see what Henry saw. Yeah, I think even before he gave that interview, I remember seeing people on, like, the Reddit, the Reddit subreddit post a picture from, like, a stream or something he did where you can see he has, like, the Stormlight books in the background. And people are like, oh, my gosh, he's a fan. And then later he says that. And, of course, after that, whenever it's talking about casting for a Stormlight movie or show, they're like, well, yeah, put Henry Cavill in there. Um, he could do many of the roles that we've read so far. He would absolutely kill it. Also, the man's like one of the biggest nerds in Hollywood, so. Right. Yeah, that's true. The trouble putting him in here is that most of these characters are supposed to have like an Asian sort of skin tone and stuff. And so that's that's part of the debate in talking about casting this like, oh, well, you can't whitewash it. And it's like, well, but Rosharans aren't actually Asian 
culture. Like they're not from Earth, so it's not they're not from a part of Earth, regardless of what mm. they might look like. So would it be? And so that's that's part of. And I don't I don't actually have much. Uh, I'm not invested in that because like. I'm not really that into potential casting. Honestly, I kind of uh, tend to agree with the portion of the fandom that says if they do Stormlight with the giant crabs, then anime or animation at least might be the way to go with it. But uh, yeah, so that is is a a topic, a a frequent topic of discussion in the fandom when it comes to potentially casting. Understandable. I like these chapters. I agree. Axie's chapter was pretty fun. I I like him. I I enjoy reading. How, just how intoxicated can he get to bring out his what <laughs> ails friend did he call him in the end? It's like, man, okay, I hadn't really thought about having to research them. Also, the fact that they only show up in certain places and mm-hmm. at certain times, I thought was really cool. I feel like the the I can't remember the name they actually gave it. The the one that turns up at the same time every day should be like Clock Spren or something. I don't know. It seems very reliable. Right? Um, yeah, but I I I like that too. That was pretty cool. I, I really liked the the conversation between Dalinar and Yasna. I thought that was like really quite well done. And it was nice to kind of build a picture of what was happening there. I thought that was a pretty cool conversation for them to have. And yeah, his decision, I mean, like, I didn't see it coming now. I didn't think that he would kind of step aside for Adeline, but I, yeah, I can sort of see how he's gotten there. He's tired. He doesn't want to really do this this way anymore he's really expressed that he's not happy with how it's all going didn't think he would just step aside but it you get to a point where it's like if you can't make uh like effective decisions for your people then the responsible thing to do is step aside mm-hmm. whether he ends up stepping aside i guess still remains to be seen but we'll see we'll see what happens but overall good chapters still like reading it <laughs> that you make a good point in that he's made the decision now and he seems to be intending to step down pretty quickly. But that doesn't mean that mm. something couldn't happen to, you know, change his mind, I guess. Not over till it's over. Yep. And uh, yeah, I, was, I went back to look for the name of that spread because I don't remember it off the top of my head either. Let's see. It's called. I feel like it had a really weird name, but I can't remember what it was. Kusakesh or Kusasesh the Protector. And yeah, I mean. Clock sprint is, but it doesn't pop up around clocks. It pops up like in the water in this one place at the same time every day. So I'm like, does the time have something to do with it? Is the place what's relevant? It like, it's so weird. Well, people are naming the spread, right? And they name right. it based on the fact that it, they probably named it based on the fact that it shows up at the same time. So you could set your watches to it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Because they mentioned that, don't they? That they can set their watches yep. to the spread. Yeah. Uh, Maybe it it shows up when when you know all the moons are in a certain alignment with that particular area or something. It's got it's got to be something that triggers that it's at the same time every day. There's got to be something constant, or there doesn't, and That's it's just not when... You never know. <laughs> <laughs> or there doesn't. Maybe not. Yeah. Well, it doesn't. I'd say it's just it's just when his alarm clock goes off that spren every day and he gets up to go to work or whatever. Like, oh, go get up. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Sorry, can we go back to that? It's it, like it's not a spread like thing you just threw out. It's like, oh, it's just some dude in a costume of ribbons. <laughs> well, okay. Well, I will leave my thoughts on that till a bit later. Okay, fair enough. All right, let's let's get into these chapters. We have what is going to be the last bit of our letter. I guess that's a minor spoiler. As we get into part three, it's not the same epigraphs anymore. And so the writer is saying. I have never been dedicated to a more important purpose. 
and the very pillars of the sky will shake with the results of our war here. And he's, I, he says, I've never begged you for anything. I'm doing it now. Please help us, essentially. And yeah, that's the end of that's the end of our letter. So it's, uh, you know, is, if this is Hoyd, it, it says our war here. Like, where is are, are we talking about? Is this on Roshar that this letter is being sent from? Is there a war that's about to be fought here? Or that is currently being fought that we don't know about? I mean, there is a war going on between the Alethi and the Parshendi, but that seems not like what he's asking for help with. Is, is this the war that the Heralds were fighting in at the start of the book, like 5,000 years ago? Oh, could it be a really old letter? Okay, yeah. Oh, I mean, uh, doesn't it, that, like that war could still be going. Oh, okay, sure. I got you. Yeah, I tried to like, since we we figured that this was from Hoyt based on the context, I like wrote all the segments down onto one piece of paper to try to like glean any information from it. I didn't glean anything. <laughs> oh yeah, I said when we got to the end of this, we would I'd just like read the whole letter. So yes, yeah, sh- let's yeah. go through it real quick. Let's and, do it. Uh, if anybody else can pick anything extra out of it, uh, this is this is our chance. Sure. So the letter says, "Old friend, I hope this missive finds you well." Though, you, as you are now essentially immortal, I would guess that wellness on your part is something of a given. I realize that you're probably still angry. That is pleasant to know. Much as your perpetual health, I've come to rely upon your dissatisfaction with me. It's one of the Cosmere's great constants, I should think. Let me first assure you that the element is quite safe. I have found a good home for it. I protect it, its safety, like I protect my own skin, you might say. You do not agree with my quest. I understand that. So much as it, as it is possible to understand someone with whom I disagree so completely. Might I be quite frank? Before, you asked why I was so concerned. It is for the following reason. Addy was once a kind and generous man, and you saw what became of him. Race, on the other hand, was among the most loathsome, crafty, and dangerous individuals I had ever met. He holds the most frightening and terrible of all the shards. Ponder that for a time, you old reptile, and tell me if your insistence on non-intervention holds firm. Because I assure you, race will not be similarly inhibited. One need only look at the aftermath of his brief visit to Cell to see proof of what I say. In case you've turned a blind eye to that disaster, know that Aona and Sky are both dead, and that which they had has held has been splintered, presumably to prevent anyone from rising up to challenge race. You've accused me of arrogance in my quest. You've accused me of perpetuating my grudge against Rays and Bavadin. Both accusations are true. Neither point makes the things I have written to you untrue. I am being chased. Your friends of the 17th Shard, I suspect. I believe they're still lost following a false trail I left for them. They'll be happier that way. I doubt they have any inkling what to do with me should they actually catch me. If anything I have said makes a glimmer of sense to you, I trust that you'll call them off. Or maybe you could astound me and ask them to do something productive for once. For I've never been dedicated to a more important purpose, and the very pillars of the sky will shake with the results of our war here. I ask again, support me. Do not stand aside and let disaster consume more lives. I've never begged you for something before, old friend. I do so now. So yeah, there you go. That's quite a mouthful. Quite a letter. Stop sitting on your ass and come fight the main shard. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, we talked about some stuff, like, before how maybe the 17th shard is somehow Kelsier. That was a theory we threw out because the ghost bullets were looking for him. So he doesn't like Bavadin or what was the other name? Race? Race. Yeah. Race. Okay. And uh, we know Bavadin is... Uh, autonomy. Autonomy. Okay. So there's some other bad shard that race is in charge of. Dak is theorizing that it is Odium. Odium, that's right. Because uh, where did we hear the name Odium from again? That was in Lost Metal. Yeah, okay, cool. So yeah, we got some 
feel like we got some threads there. So autonomy and, and possibly odium. And then I guess what's cool to me is like this has been in this book for so long and like but we're connecting it to threads and books that came out after it. So like true. Yeah. Uh, yeah. This is a really cool little letter. I'm excited to know like more. Doesn't sound like we're going to get more maybe at all in this <laughs> book, which is too bad, but <laughs> that's, that's, uh, that's how the book is going to end. It's like Dalinar's retired to a, like some nice, some nice little farm somewhere. And he's like, my son's going to take things. And then like the wit's going to be sitting in the corner when he comes home one day and says, <laughs> It's like you've just been invited to join a higher cause. You like you don't retire on this planet. And Dalinar's like, "The fuck are you talking about?" And Hoyd's like, "Come with me." Very Nick Fury. Okay, we're gonna fight a god. <laughs> oh my goodness, <laughs> Hoyd as Nick Fury. It's <laughs> gonna happen. Uh, Hoyd as also, Nick Fury. Is there's also the reference shard. Now I just want to hear Samuel L. Jackson say Biscumba. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or uh, or Bavadin. Yeah. You gotta have uh you gotta fight motherfucking Bavadin. <laughs> there's there's also the uh the reference to let me assure you the element is quite safe. I found a good home for it, which you guys were theorizing and that may be the first time you guys were like, Maybe this is Hoyd and that means this. I don't know. This the stuff yeah. up out of out of the well. Mm, the Lorassium, yeah. 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 And especially Although, he he said he's keeping it quite safe, you know, as well as he would what, keep his own skin safe or something like that. And I was like, well, he's whatever it is, it's on him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's why I thought it also might be like shard play, like he got himself a set, yeah. keeping it like his skin, you know. Hmm. Mm. Hard hard to cart that around with you, given what we see when Dalinar puts his on. Well, I mean, Hoyt is practiced at using. Is, he's clearly able to do things that we can't quite comprehend, so he might have knowledge of how to use it in a way that mere mortals don't. Mm, yeah, it's true. Okay. Well, we try to tease a little bit more from that letter now that we've reached the end of it. We are uh, – the chapter is called Decision. I don't know if I actually mentioned that, and uh, which makes sense in hindsight after we've seen what it's about. We start with Adolin, Dalinar, and they are out inspecting the troops. Actually, first they're 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 looking at a new bridge. We saw him give Telab permission to try to design a man-carried bridge, but when they go over it or they try to move one of their big siege bridges over it, it breaks. So like, yeah, that's not gonna work. And then she's like, oh, I'm sorry, I, I wasted your time. And Adolin's like, no, no, you know, maybe try again. This is just the first try. Let's uh, maybe we can make the siege bridges narrower, or I don't know. And so she's like, okay, we'll try a new design and see what we can do. And that's when Dalinar has his question moment of like, why do you think they did never made anything like shard plate for just normal working guys? Like, it seems weird that it's only for fighting. And Adolin's like, well, I don't know, maybe war is the most important thing. And Dalinar's just like, yeah, I mean, I don't like that answer. Like, if that's true, then kind of makes them jerks for never helping like the regular guy out with the shard plate. And then they move on. They got to inspect. And Dalinar has Adolin kind of in charge of doing these inspections. And Adolin definitely notices and is good questions it at one point. And Dalinar's like, I'm, I'm thinking about some stuff, you know, you, you go ahead and take the lead here. And meanwhile, Adolin is also distracted by thinking about Malasha, the new girl that he's seeing. Oh, for Christ's sake. Yeah, it's like if anything was going to make me like Adolin, it's definitely not this constant like change of women. <laughs> like it, I we at this point, the readers feel like Dalinar. It's like, how are we supposed to keep up with all of these women that he's chasing? Like yeah, why, right. why, yep. why? Like it's just a no, it's obnoxious after a while. Well, Malasha, at least we heard about last time when he was like, "Dad, no, I'm seeing this new girl." 
But after thinking about Malasha, he's like, well, of course, there is Danlin. I just met her, but I'm already intrigued. It really just feels like he's just seeing them as women to date because that's what you do. He's not seeing them as people. And that's frankly uncomfortable. No. Yeah, I, I can agree with that. It also really calls into question not just this, but a lot about him is like if Dalinar's about to step down and put him in charge of their whole house, is, does anyone think Adolin is prepared for that? Mm. Crickets. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Some parts. Yeah. He's really. I feel like he could step up. With his, maybe. I feel like he should tag team with his brother. His brother probably knows more stuff mm-hmm. than he's letting on. Yeah, if they if they leave the martial stuff to Adolin and let Renarin handle the political stuff, they'll probably come out pretty okay. Hmm, that's a good idea. Good, solid team, maybe. We don't know that much about Renarin. We've never been in his head like we have in Adolin's a few times, so it's hard to say for sure. Yeah, but he seems pretty switched on. Yeah. The problem is it's not going to happen because Alethi culture is so martial. Yeah, it's true. Like that's the whole reason Dalinar's influence is fading, because he was trying to be less of a fighter. And Adolin is uh, not one for not fighting. No. His purpose in life is to duel people, for Christ's yep. sake. <laughs> like, and you got Dalinar, yeah. whose purpose is leadership. And in the Alethi culture, that has often meant, like, leadership in war. And now he's trying to be, like, a different kind of leader, and it is not going over well. Yeah. I just don't know, like, the idea of him stepping down just seems, at this point, doesn't seem super wise. <laughs> I think he's just doubting himself so much that it's just, like... He thinks, ah, well, my time's done. This is what I, you know, I need to do something else. My son is right. I shouldn't be listening to these voices. And, like, it just, it just doesn't seem like his son, like, his son and him, since the beginning of the book, have been arguing that, like, what about what they should be doing. Mm-hmm. So, like, either, either Dalinar somehow magically thinks his son is going to change his mind about what what he should do or and how he should act as a leader or he thinks ah you know Adolin should do whatever he wants to do so like i don't really know which one it is because like both of them sound kind of bad <laughs> you probably don't ever want to just assume someone's going to change completely when you give them uh, control of something yeah it, it really seems like short term it might go over okay because people will see dalinar who they think is going a bit loopy step down they're just like oh we're gonna get someone's sound of mind in charge, Adolin's a good fighter. So everyone's going to be like, all right, cool, this works for us, this works for us. And then they're going to see what Adolin's actual leadership is like. Oh, fuck, we need his dad back. <laughs> Adolin has been wanting to, like, challenge Sadius to a duel since the beginning of the book. And uh, we know reasons why House Colin and House Sadius, like, going to war with each other would be a bad thing for the kingdom. So, yeah, how would that go when Dalinar is no longer here to hold him back? This kingdom might not last. Hmm. He has a moment where he asks Adolin if he feels the thrill, and Adolin's like, well, I mean, yeah, who doesn't? And Dalinar's like, yeah, I don't know. And Adolin's kind of, like, not happy. It's like, why is he being so reserved? The way he was before, deluded but confident, that was actually better than him sitting here, like, thinking about stuff. Adolin is never I think he's happy. feeling right, but I think he's also feeling guilty. He feels like he did this to his dad, mm. like his dad is acting sway because of what he said. But that's probably partially true in that, like, he's thinking, like, Aelin told him, maybe you need to think about this stuff some more. And so yeah. he is doing that. Well, I, I mean, it's partially that, but also I think it was the that moment. 
I don't know what you want to call it, clarity, fear, that moment that he had in the fight where he's like, what are, what are we doing? This is disgusting. Why are we doing this? Yep, the like, moment where he was not feeling the thrill of battle anymore. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they have a they have a bit of a talk about, like, the shattered planes. It's like, what's going to happen when we're done here? Like, are people... The gem hearts, I guess, will always be here. So I guess people will be here trying to get them. And if we keep capturing so many gem hearts, what's going to happen to the value of gems? And Halen's like, oh, that's actually a really good question. I never thought about that. Oh, no, the market has been flooded with these freaking crab heart gems. (laughs) Yeah. What are we going to do now with all these crabs? (laughs) Given that their entire economy is like gem based, like they, they use gems for purchasing then, uh, yeah, that that could be some real bad inflation, some crabflation. Yeah. <laughs> crabflation. Zoidberg will be rich at last. Yeah. <laughs> did, my, did my sandwich also appreciate in value? Oh, please, oh, please. It didn't, it didn't even, even refrigerate, refrigerate it. <laughs> Just as, as, a, as, 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 as a sidebar, like, I don't know what this says about me as a parent, but the fact that my two-year-old daughter sometimes comes up to me and goes, Watch Zoidberg. <laughs> yes. oh, no. yeah. I was like, okay, this is a yeah. thing. It was a proud moment for you. Nice. <laughs> yeah, and you know, it was proud for Zoidberg too. He was thinking, why not Zoidberg? <laughs> you want to drag spines into this? <laughs> uh, okay. So yeah, they're gonna review the troops. He's like Dalinar, or I'm sorry, Dalinar's like Adolin, go go review the troops. And then afterwards, he's like, hey, you did a good job. All I did was walk down a line. Yeah, but the presentation was good. The men know you care about their needs, and they respect you. And so they, they go to question the soldiers that Sadius questioned the other day to find out what Sadius asked them. And it's really – it doesn't yeah, look it's great. it's not a great thing. <laughs> no. Like, we didn't it's tell like, him anything. We, we, we're we not going to, like, uh, rat you out. And it's like, but, I, like, but we didn't do anything. <laughs> he's like, I, I really didn't do anything. But they apparently think he did. Like, they think he actually did try to kill the king, and they're okay with this? I don't, I don't uh, know. But really, I, it's it, it may be more that they don't like Sadius, because they're like, oh, we know that he's an eel. And Dollar's like, that's a high prince, my man. Let's uh, let's show some respect. And he's like, oh, well, I mean, we didn't tell him anything to get you in trouble. We're not going to give that e um the high prince, the rope to hang you, sir. Yeah, even though, you know, there shouldn't be any kind of rope, because you didn't do anything. And I just I love that just afterwards, Aelin's like that that they didn't help our cause probably despite their ardor or rather because of it. And Dollar's like, yeah. Interview them separately and see if you can figure out exactly what Sadius asked them. And so that's when Aelin's like, okay, explain to me what this is going on. You keep shoving me out in front awkwardly in a few cases, I might add. Like, what are you thinking about? And he says that he's he's thinking through a difficult decision. And while some guys might just like sit and think things out, it helps him to be doing things. That's how he thinks. And then a guy comes from High Prince Thanadol, apparently the last High Prince, except for Sadius, who is left that he is wants to approach about working together. And Thanadol does not even want to meet with him. He's, he tells the messenger that if he's pressed, he should say, look, he knows what you're going to ask him, and he's not interested in cooperating with you, okay? And Donner's like, that's the last one. I, I guess Elicar was right. I can't get them to work together. So on top of him like feeling unsure with all the other stuff happening, now he's failed at this too. So it's not uh, it's not his best day, basically. And then we jump to Dalinar's perspective and in his head where he's thinking through all this stuff and trying to figure out, you know, what what would a real leader do here? And he tells the guy, go fetch my war hammer. I have it waiting for me out at the staging field. And I love that when they they have to bring the hammer out on a cart because it's so heavy. 
and everyone's like gathering around and he, he's like, oh, they think I'm going to do something impressive. Like they're all like, oh, my gosh, what's he going to do with this with the war hammer out here? And then he has the, these guys who are digging a latrine in the stone and he tells them to get out. He's like, you guys go relax off with you. And he takes his hammer and jumps in the ditch and just starts bashing the shit out of this stone. Yeah, that's what he does. I mean, you're going you're gonna to beat up some stone. No, I get it. I've um. I often do my best thinking when I'm performing some kind of manual labor task. So I, I get what he, where he's coming from. He just wants to, like, you know, he he even says it, I think, at one point. It's like there's a certain sense of accomplishment that he's getting. It's like, you know, he's been trying and failing at all of these big, grand ideas, but he can't fail at this. Like, he's he's creating something, even if it's a latrine, it's like it's something. He's seeing progress. Progress is happening. You can visually see the difference that he's making. And know that he's, you know, making some kind of difference in this small little part of of uh, of his war camp. It's like, you know, I think he I think he needed it. You know, he needed this this opportunity to be able to just like do something and it means something to him. Yeah, to get he has he has this physical evidence that he's accomplished something. I agree. That's yeah. Uh, I don't know if you guys picked up on it before. And I can talk about it now that we've seen the Ricin interlude. They don't have soil on most of this planet. Everything that we've seen is on rock. Like there's 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 not like they're not growing pl- crops in in a field of soil. They're growing these rock buds that grow on the rock. And so that's part of before we even started when I was like, don't assume what you're seeing here. Because the grass is not growing out of soil like the dumb grass that we see in in Shinovar or just outside of Shinovar. It's all just rock, and it's always described that way. It's like even all the way back to that first battle we saw with Kaladin and his spearmen. They're looking at at, a, at the field with like – it's got boulders. It's got all sorts of rocks on it, and they're picking the best spot among the rocks to like make their defense. And so it's it's not a major of, – of major importance to the plot – but I think it really changes how you picture things. And that's why these guys are digging a latrine. When these guys are digging a latrine, they're not like they don't have shovels. They're not digging in the dirt. There is no dirt. They're digging in the rock to make a latrine. And so it's just it. I think it adds like a, a dimension to this world. That's just like everything is hard. Like phys- not, I don't mean like difficult. I mean, like it's all just solid and hard. And it it, it, it kind of makes the world feel harsher to me. Hmm. Yeah, I don't think until we got to the interlude, I don't think I understood that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's also interesting to me that like they they don't the Shin people are like, no, it's bad to cut things out of rock or to like cut mm-hmm. the rock or disturb the rock. But honest, obviously, they have a very like symbiotic relationship with the land. Like they treat their farmers with these like super high importance and so to me that speaks of also like a respect and symbiotic relationship with the land itself so maybe that has something to do with the fact that they like are like yeah you don't you don't do that you don't break rock so i don't know all the way back to to the the not the prelude prologue prologue, yeah when seth is walking through the palace to kill the king he thinks about like how he's walking on stones and that's Mm -hmm. sacrilegious or whatever which probably seemed bizarre at the time and now Maybe it makes sense seeing like in Shin, they they have soil that they're walking on. Everywhere else, they're walking on stone. So yeah, just something to to help you with your mental picture of the world. 
So thinking about killing is starting to sicken Dalinar even worse since that last bridge assault where we saw him kind of get hit with these waves of like, oh my gosh, this is horrible. And he's this is part of what he's considering as he's he's just hammering the stone. Sometimes he'll cut like along the edges or down the middle with his shard blade to kind of separate it. And then he just bashes it into bits so that can uh, to get it out. So this is just like talking about manual labor. This is about as manual labor as I feel like it can get swinging a giant hammer at rock. Not even a, like I, I, on some level, pickaxe is is different because it's at least got a point that you're like specifically chipping at something. It's just like he's just bashing it. To the point that when we get to the end of this section, like the the haft of like the metal haft of this giant warhammer is bent from bashing the rock over and over. And he's thinking about the other the other high princes, about Elicar, about the codes. Someone has to start. Someone has to be the model for good behavior, basically. And that's a reason not to abdicate. Even if I'm crazy, how I'm doing things is better than the way that Sadius or the others do them. So maybe it's worth staying just to be a model of not being a, a dick, essentially like all of like Sadius in particular, like if I can show them that this is a better way to do things, maybe it'll have an effect, even if it means I'm insane. And I, he, he thinks about his younger years and he thinks he was that he had been a tyrant and a warmonger could twilight year spent pretending to follow the precepts of better men erase a lifetime of butchery, which that's a fair question. This is the debate I hear online about uncle Iroh a lot. Yeah, it kind of fits, right? like the the most kind-hearted character in that show but the, you look into his backstory and it's like oh yeah that's right he was a he was a general for one of the worst armies in history I'm like oh yeah okay yeah we have no idea the kind of stuff that he might have done as a general yeah i like so, to think he was he was like you know the the good teammate in that time but right you'd like to think that he's the guy who's not just <laughs> killing people for no reason women and children uh, or think, something like that but yeah you imagine a successful general in that army was probably not doing good things. Yeah. Yeah. I think until his son died, he probably was no probably wasn't a good dude. Yeah. Yeah. Which, you know, spoiler for a show that came out in 2004, but whatever. Well, and I mean, it's interesting that that guy who has who potentially was a real bad guy and went through kind of a. a call it a spiritual awakening since it involves going to the spirit world yeah but um and then he's the one who guides his nephew then who i think is one of the most successful that we've seen on tv of someone going from the bad guy to a good a protagonist in like a believable arc oh a really yeah. good arc 100 percent. what's one of the things that makes that show so brilliant yeah so that's uh, it it you have someone who kind of went through maybe a similar arc before the beginning of the show to guide Zuko through that. And so it's interesting. Yeah. Dalinar doesn't seem to have that unless you count his dead brother who maybe had a similar arc before uh, his death. Yeah. He didn't really guide him through it, though. Yeah. So or, or planted the seeds or maybe who or whatever is sending him these visions. Maybe that's uh, the, who is actually <laughs> responsible. And I do like that uh, we have oh, everyone's just like staring at Dalinar as he's doing this work. Like all the workers who were here doing this and then and all the, these other people who gathered to see what kind of cool stuff he was going to do. They're just like staring. And eventually Teleb decides letting them all stare down at him was not respectful. Ordered them back to their separate duties, including telling the workers, ordering the workers to sit in the shade and converse in a lighthearted manner. It's such like a random thing. Like <laughs> if my CEO is like, yo, go sit over there and just like chat about the weather. But like do it lightheartedly. Yeah, that's an order. I'm, I'm not making a suggestion. Do it. 
Don't let me hear you talking negatively about the weather. <laughs> and he's like, man, the work, the work feels even better once I'm, it's, I'm alone. Just me and the rocks and the hammer. And we find out a little bit about how the latrines work, where uh, it's it's slanted so that all the stuff kind of goes off to one end. And then they soul cast it into smoke once every few months, which, all right. I mean, that's <laughs> that's a way to do it. Yeah. I bet that day when they soul cast it, it smells really great in the camp. They're like, oh, wow, well, <laughs> the shit smell is gone. Hooray. <laughs> well, no, they they have, uh, what does it say? They cover it with oiled and tarred boards to seal in the scent, so it's okay. Oh, yeah, I'm sure that works perfectly, and you don't <laughs> smell anything. Uh, and th- there's one point where he thinks, I'm sorry, brother. And that's kind of, like, there's not a lot of preface or even follow-up to that. It's just, like, as he's thinking through his thoughts, that just pops in there. And it maybe shows you that kind of underneath it all, that's still at the heart of what's going on is what happened to his brother. And then you hear a voice saying, wouldn't the blade be more efficient? And Dalinar looks up, and there's Navani. I like that she has two women, not her own wards, but ones that she borrowed from some other light women in camp. Like, I need some girls. Uh, let me have yours and one of yours. You don't have a problem with that, right? Okay, good. And she's like, I, mean, I, I wouldn't presume to make judgments. Hitting things is a masculine art. But don't you have a sword that can cut through stone as easily as I once heard it described to me as a high storm blows over a Herdazian? And he explains that shard blades are too good at cutting. They cut a very thin cut into this rock and it's still difficult to like lift that out because of how it presses against the rock around it so he slices it and then dices it i mean uh bashes it it's a different thing and while they have the conversation he just continues banging with his hammer and she's like are you gonna apologize for missing our appointment oh right yeah oh yeah i was supposed to meet up with you because she she basically forced the appointment on him she's like okay we're gonna meet at this time and he never told, like, I guess his people about it. So he didn't put it <laughs> on his calendar or whatever. He didn't put it on the calendar, boss. And now he got because I really didn't want to go. Yeah. Like, I, I didn't really agree to the appointment, to be fair. So. Yeah, no. I don't really want to go. You're making <laughs> so, me go. You check with my secretary. You can see that they never wrote anything down. So technically, we never had an appointment. So. <laughs> Yeah, you didn't call my people to talk to your people, so... So, you know, here's my hammer, go pound some rocks. (laughs) But no, he doesn't say any of uh, things that he could probably rightfully pull out there as an excuse. He just goes, I'm truly sorry. I've had some difficult things to consider, but that does not excuse me for getting you. And she's like, I know, I'll ponder a way to let you make up for the laps. But for now, you should know that one of your span reads is flashing. Which I think we may have had span reads mentioned before now, but this is the chapter where we... If we if we did, I've forgotten. This is the chapter where we get an explanation of what they are and how they work. And so jumping a little bit ahead, it's like you have this what's essentially a pen with a gem at one end and it's connected to another pen with a gem. And when someone writes with the one pen, however far away the other one is, it copies it. It's like a fax machine, but magic fax machine, I guess. And so that's an interesting thing that they have in this world. And this particular one is connected to Yasna. She's like, your scribes say it's the one bound to my daughter. He's like, oh, man, it's been weeks since her last message. When she gets into a project, she tends to ignore everything else. And he's like, I want to make I want to finish this latrine. Unconsciously, he'd been planning to make his final decision once he reached the end. But you can't ignore the chance to talk to Yasna. And so he says, "Uh, sorry, I'm going to have to leave you. I got to talk to her. 
And Navani's like, well, I mean, I haven't talked to my daughter in months, so I, I'd like to go with you. And he can't say no because he's already offended her once. So, OK, yeah. Yeah, you don't want to make two dick moves, man. That'd not be cool. And she she says, you're a kind man, Dalinar Colin. I'm afraid that I am compelled to find you fascinating. And he's like, my sense of honor makes me easy to manipulate. I know there's no need to toy with me. <laughs> and she's like, I'm not trying to take advantage of you. I, well, maybe I'm, I'm a little bit, but <laughs> not toying with you. OK. And then she freaking she just goes for this conversation, which I feel like is a hell of a thing to be like, do you know why I picked Gavilar over you all those years ago? Which that's a, that's a hell of a thing to pull out of nowhere. OK, whoa, wait on. No one asked for this information, lady. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right. I was having a good time breaking rocks and you come up. You're like, hey, you know why I picked a brother over you? <laughs> come on. Not because he would become king, though. That's what everybody says. I chose him because you frightened me. That intensity of yours. It scared your brother, too, you know. Yeah. The more we hear about, like, young Dalinar, the more I want that story. Like, he... Story of young Dalinar. Everyone indicates he was a very different guy at an earlier point in his life, and so I'm curious about that guy. Other than, I mean, we, we saw him passed out drunk on the floor. Maybe that was still during that point of his life. And uh, he's like, look, me, me, you, you, me, this is not going to work, okay? I'm not going to dishonor my brother's memory. And we get a uh, so on his banner, he has a glyph pair, a pair of glyphs, Coke and Linil, one in the shape of a crown, one in the shape of a tower. And that forms their the family crest, which if you go back and look at the beginning of the chapter, that's the symbol you see. You see the tower and the crown on the shield at the beginning of Dalinar's chapters. So that that's what a glyph pair looks like, in case you're curious. So he gets to where uh, his clerks are with his magic pens. And Adolin's there. He's like, shouldn't you be inspecting? I finished that hours ago. Like, geez, how long was I in? Was I hitting those rocks? All right. And Adolin wants things to work out. Uh, he had some things to work out to Dalinar. Yeah. You know, you, you do what you got to do, man. Adolin wants to talk to him in private. And he's like, not right now. Don't have any time. Uh, I'm, I'm going to talk to you. Just give me a little more time. And he's like, OK, but there's something else I want to ask you. This is Danlin. She came into camp yesterday. Uh, and she has been calling on me, and I took the liberty of offering her her position among your clerks while she's here. Which, yeah, okay, thanks for giving your random girls jobs uh, working for me, but okay. And he says, uh, Dalinar's like, what about, and Adolin goes, Malasha didn't work out. Even though this same day, a few hours ago, he was thinking, you know, Malasha, she's pretty interesting, but Danlin. So apparently <sighs> in the last few hours, he's decided that didn't work out. He's going to go after the new one. Yeah, I wonder how how many of these women know that it didn't work out. Right, that's what I'm thinking. <laughs> does he just move on, or or does he see him walking by and they're like buzz off, and he's like, oh okay, I guess that didn't work out. And I, he's like, she's been here since yesterday, and you've already got her calling on you. And he's like, I mean, yeah. I have a, I, I have a rep I got to maintain, my man. Play has got to play. Dark. Is that what we're Dark. saying? Dark, I made that. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> oh gosh. You're telling me. Whoa, wait. What? You just told me. That's my watch. My watch talking to me. All right. Well, what's happening? This episode. Siri. Yeah. My... <laughs> Even the watch is sick of Adelaide's womanizing bullshit. <laughs> and I, you know it's customary to eventually choose just one woman to court, right? And then he thinks you're going to need a good wife, perhaps very soon. And Adeline's like, yeah, when I'm old and boring, maybe. Oh, Adeline. Precious, precious baby Adeline. You are the worst. <laughs> and Dalinar's like, I mean, she's pretty, but she's one day in camp. 
He'd spent three years courting the woman who'd eventually become his wife, even if he couldn't remember her face. He did remember <laughs> how he pursued her. He's like, surely I loved her. I mean, I must have, right? I just don't remember. <laughs> He's like, right, right. I got stuff to do. Brightness, Danlin, welcome among my clerks. I understand I have a communication. So this girl that he's just met, uh, that just got into camp yesterday, he's going to let her be his writer for this communication. You're trusting people real quick, but whatever. I was going to say, incredibly sus. If you were a spy, this is how you get in. You you go make friends with Adeline, and you're in. Which is apparently real easy for any pretty girl to do, is to make friends with Adeline. (laughs) But yes, anyway. So they they turn the, the 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 crystal thing to acknowledge that they're ready to proceed, and then they start getting a message from Yasna. Uncle, I presume you're well. Indeed, I'm well cared for by those around me. Which is this is their secret code where he indicates that there's people around him he doesn't know that well, so she won't say anything too secret. And she indicates the secrets that she seeks are too obscure to be contained even in the palladium, but I am finding hints. So she's after something. We have no idea what. But she's finding some hints. And Dalina really wants Yasna to come back to the Shattered Plains. And I like that he he puts out there that uh, her brother is using Sadius's cousin as his head scribe because Yasna hates Sadius's cousin. It's like, maybe that'll get her back. And then Navani's over here like, <clears throat> and Dalina's like, oh, yeah, add uh, your mom is back in the war camps. Yeah. Also, she's in the room. She's in the room. Oh, yeah, didn't mention Julie. she was in the room. And the, the pen writes, send my mother my respects. Keep her at arm's length, uncle. She bites. <laughs> Just <laughs> burn. It mom. made me think of, uh, <laughs> although not canon in the books, it made me think of the part of the Harry Potter movie where Sirius sends Harry a letter and he's like, P.S. The bird bites. <laughs> my mind went to Marge Simpson and just going, oh, it's true, but she shouldn't say it. <laughs> <laughs> no, yes. Uh, and the body's like, I'll show you how I bite. Wink, Dalinar. <laughs> and Dalinar's like, oh, jeez. I know why you'll be sad. <laughs> she says, I can't discuss my work via span read, but I'm growing increasingly concerned. There's something here hidden. Can't discuss her work via span read is interesting. Like, is it just because there's people in the room Dalinar doesn't trust that she would say something like that? Or is this like a network that can be magically hacked in some way like can these communications be intercepted well it's like yeah like you know ost- ostensibly dalinar is not meant to be able to read mm-hmm. so if she's transferring by a writing someone has to read it off to him which means anyone in the room can hear what she's saying yep that's not exactly secretive it is not you are correct and he's like okay but are when are you coming back uh, i don't know i i dare not stop my research but a time may soon come when i dare not stay away either but anyway, I have some questions for you. Describe again for me what happened when you first met the Parshendi patrol seven seven years ago. And so we find out that Dalinar and uh, and his brother were out hunting when they first ran into the Parshendi. South of, of the Shattered Plains, they're out here hunting for the legendary Chasm Fiend. So they weren't even sure really existed. And they run across these guys, Parshmen, camped, free, and organized, and they carried weapons. Like, Avalar didn't even believe it at first. Like, Parshmen don't. There's no such thing as free Parshmen. They're servants and had always been servants. And she asks about if they had any shard blades. And he says that he only saw a Parshendi shard bearer after Gavilar's death. 
So he does not think they had them then. Although he also thinks, did Gavilar know that they had access to shard blades? Is that what the treaty was about? Is that the secret Yasna is looking for? And she says, the, apparently the Parshendi picked up their language very quickly, and she wants to know, what was the first question they asked you? They wanted to see our maps. And she says, did they mention the Voidbringers? And he's like, what? No, not that I remember. She says, why? And she's like, I'd rather not say. However, I do want to show you something. Get a new piece of paper. And we have that picture that Joe and I in our digital version had chapters before this, but Dax said was after this chapter for y'all, which makes more, much more sense as a place to put it, right? No, no, before this one. Oh, before was, this one, sorry. It was before 27, before Chasm Duty. Okay, so still not the most logical place for it, but it it seemed, that seems to be what we see Shalon drawing here, or at least that's my theory about it. Yeah. And so there's a drawing being made o- over the span read, and I like Downer's like, this is not Yasna. Whoever's drawing this has way more talent than her at drawing. And it's uh, Aelin says, that is a chasm fiend. I mean, it's distorted. Someone was clearly trying to draw a chasm fiend. This is a depiction from one of my books here. Yasna says, my new ward is quite skilled at drawing. And so I had her reproduce it for you. And Talon's like, geez, a new ward. It's been years since she took one of those. She always said she didn't have time. The book oh, and describes... she's going to regret it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe. The book describes this picture as a void bringer. I'm not implying that the void bringers were the same thing as chasm fiends. I believe the ancient artist didn't know what one looked like. And so drew the most terrific thing that she knew of. And you can assume it's a she because drawing is almost certainly a feminine art. And Dalinar's like, okay, I mean, how would a, the original artists have known what a chasm fiend looked like? And what does this have to do with anything? And he asked, it's like, okay, got to go now. Care for my brother in my absence. And Dalinar's like, look, I mean, things are getting difficult here. You may soon hear news that shocks you. It would be very nice if you could return and lend your aid. And she's like, I promise I'm coming back. I just can't say when. I'm most eager to see a chasm fiend for myself. And he's like, yeah, we'll get you a dead one. I'm not going to have what almost happened to your brother happen to you. I want a pet. (laughs) She's like, one of these days, dear overprotective Dalinar, you're going to have to admit that your favorite niece and nephew have grown up. And he says, I'll treat you as adults as long as you act the part. That's fair. One of the most interesting things about this to me is that Dalinar really wants Yasna to come back. And he says, it's like, to protect Elokar, basically, protect their family, more or less. And it's interesting to me that this is the person that he trusts most. In this society where war is kind of the center of everything, it's not he, he's he's not looking to like Adolin to protect Elokar. He's not looking even to Sadius to protect Elokar. He looks at to Elokar's sister, the like super genius scholar, and he's like, she's the one who we need here to help protect the family. Which, if you respect Al- Dalinar's opinion by this time, maybe tells you a lot about Yasna. Checks out. And at the end of the call, Dalinar realizes that he's made his decision. He's gonna he's going to abdicate. And it was it was talking to Yasna. It was talking about her dad. Gavilar had been acting weird at the end, and it almost undermined the whole kingdom. I have to stop myself before it gets that far. And then he realizes that he and Navani are in the room alone after everyone else left. And he's like, "Yeah, this is not appropriate." And Navani's like, why do you trust Yasna so much? Like, why do you want her to return so badly? Why do you trust my daughter so much when others almost universally revile her? And he's like, I consider their disdain for her to be a recommendation. She refused to join the devotaries because she did not believe in their teachings. Rather than compromise for appearances, she has been honest and has refused to make professions she does not believe. I find that a sign of honor. 
And I like the expression Nirvana uses. You're two pairs of nails in the same door frame. I've never heard anything like that, but I like it. And she's trying to push. She's like, we need to talk. We need to plan, Dalinar. And he's like, no, look, I'm going to abdicate. I'm stepping down as soon as I can make the arrangements a few days at most. And she goes, this is a terrible mistake. And he says, maybe, but it's mine to make. Now, get out, please. And I also like, he can't sit in any of the chairs in the room because he's wearing his shard plate and they would break. So in the end, he just has to sit down on the floor. Which also doesn't sound very comfortable. No, right? I mean, it's it's a stone floor. As we've established, it's all stone. So can't be can't be great. So he thinks, yeah, um, I'm going to tell Adolin in the morning. I'm going to announce my decision at the at a feast within the week. And then I'll go back to Alethkar. It was over. And that's the end of part two. Bum, bum, bum. And then we move on to the interludes. We have Rissen first. And Rissen and Vistum are their merchants. They are uh, from yeah. Thelana. They're Thalen merchants. And so once again, the Thalans have those names with the consonants all shoved together. Yeah, and the sweet eyebrows. And Rissen's just like, what is wrong with this grass? <laughs> <laughs> And he, her, her Babsk is what he's called, which is kind of like she's like his apprentice. apprentice. Yeah. But like it's deeper than that, where he like owns her. He's like her dad, essentially, until her apprenticeship is done. And uh, so he's like, I mean, you've heard about the grass, right? And how weird it is. And she's like, yeah, but I assume that it would be like slow, not just not move at all. What is wrong with it? Also, the ground is so springy. What? It's like, Oh, yeah, it's called soil. It's a thing that they have. <laughs> springy i i can't imagine always having walked on rock and then walking on dirt right i mean yeah. i i guess you'd call it springy but like i just can't i can't like picture it yep and he has a device that she has to go set up that can detect when people are approaching that's a useful device very handy yeah especially for somebody like uh like uh these folks who are all traveling merchants definitely want one of those for the front door <laughs> so like you can keep an eye out it's like uh, they, uh, who's, who's, who's coming up? Is it just door to door salesman? Cause they can fuck right off. <laughs> That's kind of what a ring camera is. It's like, Hey, there's a, there's motion at your front door. Sure. Uh, let's see. We are, we can see the misted mountains. That's very Tolkien. The I was going to say, that's gotta be a deliberate shout out. Yeah. I feel like, so the mountains they, kind of they, block. They were misty. Now they're just misted. Yeah. Past past tense. Tense. Exactly. <laughs> they, the mountains kind of protect Shinovar. They like the high storms break against the mountains. And so inside Shinovar, you, you don't get the horrible high storm that she's like, it would just blow all of this soil right away. If that, if the high storm came through. The, this, this is interesting to me because we've uh, floated the possibility that the, the, the storms, the high storms are um, extensions of the shards will. And if mm-hmm. they can't get past these mountains and everything here looks like a normal planet, I'm like, ah, so this 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 area is like protected from whoever that shard is. Maybe they're trying to break through. Like at least this part of the planet is not under their influence for some reason, whether it's another shard or like their power is just barred because of those mountains. But it's like, oh, this is an interesting little twist. That's an interesting take on it. Yeah. Yeah. What does that say about? Yeah. Well, now, now we really want to know what's going on in here. And they don't even really get to go inside. They're kind of on the edge of Shinovar, and uh, somebody comes out to meet them. But I was really hoping they would get called rock walkers. <laughs> but uh, the the Fabriel does detect some people coming and shows you what direction they're coming from. 
And Vistum's like, ah, that's going to be handy. Nice. Good range, too. And we get a group of Shin on horseback, uh, some of them wearing kind of bright multicolored clothing. Like uh, there's a he's, she says a multicolored cloak that completely envelops this guy and trails down the side of the horse. And then guys in more subdued clothing are riding horses around him. And she's like, geez, that guy brought a lot of servants. And Vistum's like, no, those are his guards. Shin are curious folk. Here, warriors are the lowliest of men, kind of like slaves. Men trade and sell them between houses by way of little stones that signify ownership. And any man who picks up a weapon must join them and be treated the same. So we saw we saw, we saw a Shin guy who had a rock that let people boss him around. Also, that guy in the fancy robe, that's a farmer. She goes, so you're a landowner, you mean? He's like, no, no, he goes out every day and works the fields when he's not, like, doing this negotiation. They treat all farmers like that, lavish them with attention and respect. And she's just like, man, this is weird. Maybe living in this place has affected their minds. Like, she's just like, they don't think right if that, that's what they do. And she's also annoyed by the grass brushing her skirt. And she's like, man, if this dull grass makes me buy a new hem, I'm going to be very upset. <laughs> and so then Vistum and this guy Thresh son Isan meet up and they start working on a trade. Vistum has metal that no rocks were broken or smelted to get this metal. Soul cast from like a bunch of trash. I have a document sealed by five separate Thalen notaries attesting to this, which five seems excessive to me, but whatever. And uh, in trade, he's come to get some chickens. And Thresh is like, I mean, most people who come, they just want horses. They just care about horses. Why, why not? Why don't you want those? And Vistum says, ah, they're too hard to care for, and there's often too poor a return on investment. Chickens are easy to care for and fetch a good price, assuming you brought the feed. And Thresh is just like, I can't believe you buy these. Like, they're not worth nearly as much as you guys think they are. And he's like, well, but this stuff is just trash. Like, the the, the Ardents practice soul casting with, with garbage, because if they get food wrong, it could poison people. So they turn garbage into metal and throw it away. And Rissen is over here like, what the hell is going on? I've never seen a negotiation like this. And Vista ends by being like, you couldn't trade me one of those soldiers, could you? No, no, they can't be sold to an outsider. I'm sorry. Oh, but you traded me that one. Well, it's been nearly seven years and still you ask. It's like, oh, you don't know what I got for him. He was truthless. He wasn't worth anything at all. You forced me to take something and then I had to throw it in the river. Can't take money for a truthless. <laughs> Oh, this guy has no idea what he did to the kingdom. Yeah. This is, uh, definitely seems to be a reference to Seth, son, son, Volano, truthless of Shinovar. So now uh, I guess we know probably a little bit of Seth's history in that he was owned by this guy in Shinovar and traded to Vistum for very little money. And then Vistum eventually sold him off. But also, it's like whatever whatever it was he did to become truthless. Like Thresh is just like, oh man, I hope we never see someone like that again. So, oh yep. shit, okay. Yeah, what did Seth do? Hmm. I like Vistum's like, man, that guy was the best servant I ever had. I still regret treating him. And then they're done. Like they start to leave, and Risen's like, geez, that was a long, boring ride for a short exchange. But I mean, those chickens are gonna be worth good spheres. And Vistum's like, so what did you learn? And she says, the Shin are odd. It's like, no, they are different. The world's changing outside, but they're determined to remain the same. I've tried to offer them fabrials, but they find them worthless or unholy or too holy to use. I don't know. One of, one of those. 
with the shin, it can be hard to tell the difference. No, what did you really learn? And she says, okay, so they treat being humble like her Dazians treat boasting. You both went out of your way to show how worthless your wares were. And so he's he's like, already you're wiser than half the men I've brought here. Here's your lesson. Never try to cheat the shin. Be forthright. Tell them the truth. Undervalue your goods, and they'll love you for it, and they'll pay you for it. So maybe this guy is a good merchant. He seems to know his stuff. And then he makes her get a pot and pull up some of the grass in the soil, and she's going to take care of this grass until she learns to think of it as not being odd. She's like, why? Because it will make you a better merchant. She's like, fine, stupid grass. She was not going to ruin a good dress for a pot of drooling, wall-staring, imbecile grass, and that was that. I love that description. It's the best. Drooling grass. <laughs> stupid grass. It's called dew, Risen, not drool. <laughs> <laughs> and look, then we got Axes the Collector, which is just a great name all around, I feel like. Yeah, Ares the Collector. He's fantastic. Axes wakes up in an alley naked, and he's like, oh, man, again. We found a little bit about him. His nails are deep blue, which is common for an Amian man. And if you look back at the map, you can see that Amia is like a big island at the far west side of the continent. And so he's like, okay, he wiggles his toes. They actually move. That's something. All right. Drops his head back to the ground and it makes a squishy sound on some rotting garbage. He's like, okay, yeah, great. And then he turns, he says he sculpts his body so that he can no longer smell the rotting garbage. And he's like, oh, that's much better. That's a nice ability to have. He's fascinating. Yeah, right? Yeah, he's an interesting dude. He's like uh, yeah, he's like a blue magician. <laughs> a blue magician. <laughs> and then a, a voice says, you're still in my alley. I shall vacate it presently. When we rent one night's sleep. Finest alleyway in Kazator. He's like, oh, is that where I am then? Excellent. And so yeah, he sees that he's lying in a bunch of rotten garbage. And he's like, but it seems to be like in a pattern. This is weird. You wouldn't happen to have a spare pair of pants, would you? Axes did not recognize the location. Not surprising, considering that he'd been beaten, robbed, and left for dead again. The things I do in the name of scholarship. So we are in Iriali, or an Iriali city, I'm sorry. Second biggest after Ral Elorim, which none of this means anything to us, but okay. Although, have we heard Ral Elorim before? No, I have to. We have heard Ral Elorim before. I thought I thought that was true. Yeah, Kaladin thinks about this the that place when he's talking to Laral and he's like, I'd like to travel, see places like Ral Ilorum, City of Shadows. So mm. that's in the same area, apparently. Gotham um, City. <laughs> does that make this metropolis? Uh only if you so, subscribe to the, the the movies version, let's let's not go there. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no need to go. So he asked him if he has a spare pair of pants, and he's like, I'm going to guess that you don't. As it, And if you did, I suggest you wear them yourself. Is that like a sack that you're wearing? You owe me rent and payment for destroying the Temple of the Northern God. He's like, huh, I don't remember destroying any temples. I usually remember that kind of thing. You took out half of Halpern Street, number of homes as well. I'll let that slide. They've been wicked lately. And he sees he finally figures out, oh, like the the heaps of rotting vegetables and stuff are arranged like a city. OK, got it. And then he steps on something. and he's, That was the bakery. Oh, 
sorry. The family was away. Oh, good. They were worshipping at the temple. The one I smashed with your head? Yeah. Uh, this, this is great. It's, uh, it's a very, it's a very good, like, that's good. That's bad. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. one of those. But I do like, he, he realizes that this, this, this is a crazy homeless guy who has decided he's God of this city, this city of garbage in, that he made in the alley. Trash city. Let's go. And the guy's like, I'm trying to decide if you're a herald or a void bringer. And actually just is immediately playing into it. Like, I'm Voidbringer, obviously. I mean, I did destroy the temple. Only the sacred cloth can banish me. And since you don't... Oh, it's that you're holding. He tricks this... He, he, he makes the guy think that uh, this is the sacred cloth because he needs a cloth to wrap around himself because apparently they have, you know, uh, de- decency laws in this town. <laughs> so, just just this town? Any other town you can walk around naked and it's fine? But Maybe some of them. <laughs> he doesn't say he, he does call out that these guys uh, care about that kind of thing. So maybe some of them don't. Maybe yeah. maybe if you're out in the Pure Lake, they're just like, whatever, man, do your thing. <laughs> yeah, come out to the Pure Lake. Take off your pants. It's fine. <laughs> you do you, bro. Yeah. I mean, what do you need pants for anyway? Right? Yeah. And so the guy throws the blanket at him and he runs off with it. And lo, the beast was banished. And Axis is like, and lo, the foul beast avoided imprisonment for public indecency, which sadly uh, is is not the truth long term. <laughs> and I like that people are staring at him, but not because he's wrapped in just like an old ratty sheet. Apparently people around here, it's warmer than a lot of the, the continent, so they don't wear all that much. And also he has a lot of tattoos, and uh, but the men here like to paint patterns. And so that's not even that unusual. What's weird is the blue nails, the crystalline blue eyes. Amians, even Sia Amians were rare, I guess implying that there's another kind of Amian. Or maybe it was because his shadow was cast the wrong way. Yeah, you know, what can you do? That's weird. When the curse of kind capitalized, what happened as it happened. So apparently he can rearrange the tattoos on his body, power, like at will. And so he makes notes on his body, which is useful because... He gets robbed and left naked in alleyways die. So he's not going to be able to hold on to a notebook at all. Dude's watched Memento one too many times. Right? Yeah. Although we do have the note. Yeah. It's like, man, I hope when I got drunk, I didn't write my my notes somewhere inconvenient like last time. <laughs> Had to use a mirror and everything. And a bathing attendant. <laughs> <laughs> Very confused bathing attendant. Hey, hey buddy, what does this How say on my... Notes, <laughs> yeah, right. Buddy, what's this say on my ass? For a good time, Cole. (laughs) (laughs) So, test successful, the note says. Have noted spren who appear only when one is severely intoxicated. Further testing may be needed to prove that they were more than a drunken hallucination. He's like, oh yeah, that's what I've been looking for. (laughs) He'd heard them called sud spren in stories, but that seems silly. (laughs) Intoxication spren? No. Ale spren? Yeah, let's go for that. Personally, I kind of like Sud Spren, but maybe that's me. Drunk Spren was right there. (laughs) But apparently they only appear in Eerie and not very frequently because he's gotten drunk lots of times and only found them once. And so we find out a little bit more about Spren. Some of them are elusive. Even the common ones can refuse to appear sometimes in some areas, which makes it hard when you're a guy whose life work is to catalog and study every single type of Spren. And he likes it out here because these guys are... uh, 
not as prudish as the Voren people and not inclined to bickering or fighting like them. So that makes it easier to do his research. And then we see that giant spren that we talked about at the beginning. Takes the shape of a large jet of water, one of the uh, at least 100 feet high, one of the largest spren he's ever seen. Which implies, one of, implies that there are other spren that big, which sounds scary. Although I don't think we've ever seen spren, like, physically interact with, well, except for Syl. But uh, there's no indication that they can, like, hurt you or something, even if they're enormous. The column sprouted four long arms, and then fingers and thumbs, and then it starts to, like, have faces. This is a really weird, I mean, the, the, the faces shifting makes me think of, like, Ko the face stealer. Ugh. But it's also like just a big jet of water with hands and faces. It's very strange. And it also leaves the people around feeling drained. He's like, why is that? What would be causing that? And then a street urchin runs past and yanks the wrap off of his waist. And he's like, ah, what a bother. There are guards nearby, I assume. Oh, yep, there they are. Four of them. Wonderful. Well, it appears I'll have another chance to search for captivity spread. Odd how those had eluded him after all these years, despite his numerous incarcerations, he was beginning to consider them mythological. But two new spren in as many days. As this, at this rate, it will only take a few more centuries to complete my research. And he's happily whistling to himself as the guards come. So yeah, there you go. Axes is a fun, carefree kind of dude. Who's like, oh, getting arrested for public indecency again? What you gonna do, man? Yeah, let's just stop the rest of the book and just follow him around for a while. <laughs> <laughs> Find out more about Spren. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So those are our chapters for this time. Uh, predigments. What uh, What do you think is going to happen next? Gosh. Uh, we're moving I'm, into part three. Yeah, I'm pretty dry this week on predigments. Uh, I, I don't know. It's just we're, start, we're ending apart. I mean, I guess I could say maybe that Dalinar is not going to be able to retire for some reason. I don't know. Like, Adeline majorly messes up, or when he goes to retire, El- Elhokar's like, I don't accept, or I don't know. It just, something about it doesn't sit right. But that's really all I got this week. I mean, I, I, I'm looking forward to this next interlude and see what old Seth's up to, but other than that, not a yeah. lot going on right now. Not, not a lot has changed. Just the Dalinar thing saying he's going to retire. So it's pretty much all I got. I mean, I, I feel like we would kind of hope that he doesn't actually retire at this point, given that everyone everyone in the group, I think, at this point is liking Dalinar a lot more than Adolin. So Dalinar sure. leaving and leaving Adolin in charge, I think, would uh, be a downer. I, and you, bring, you brought up Elokar, and I'm just like, I feel like that's a, an angle that he hasn't considered as much as he maybe should, is uh, if he's not here protecting Elokar, then who is you going to leave Sadius in charge of that? Is that, you trust him that much? Yeah, I, guess, I mean, I guess he does, because they've both been working towards that end for this entire time. Yeah. Uh, I, too, I don't really have a lot this week. I've, I've really only got one, which is uh, fairly minor, but I don't know how it's going to go, and that is... This 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 new girlfriend of Adolin's is a spy, Dan Danlin. Danlin, uh, yeah. Yeah, I think. Oh, she showed up in t- in town yesterday with uh, her her high prince dad, who we, I don't think we've ever heard of him before. And no, like, I don't know he's, if he's a high prince. He's a noble guy, but yeah. Uh, Bright Lord. Yeah. Uh, they use one of the titles to refer to him when I think it was when, Bright Lord when when Adolin was referring to 
it's like, oh, who's this? Like, who's the, who's this like new like lord who's just showed up? Who's his daughter who, in less than a day, has already latched onto Adolin? Mm-hmm. I get the feeling that Sadius has planted her uh, there, exploiting Adolin's complete dumbassery when it comes to <laughs> ladies in order to have a spy to check on Dalinar. And then this is all gonna like, and then he's he's gonna find out straight away. It's like, wait, Dalinar's retiring? What the fuck? <laughs> and like, well, this changes things. Okay. And then, because I, I feel like Sadius's plans are uh, hinging on Dalinar being where he is until Sadius needs him to not be there. Mm. So if he finds out Dalinar's retiring, giving over to Adolin, who is very well known to hate Sadius's guts, Sadius gonna be like, uh, ah, shit, shit, this is gonna throw off all my plans. Oh god, I need to convince Dalinar to come back. <laughs> that would be ironic trying to have yeah. to have to go and like try to make up to Dalinar. Yeah, it's like I need you to be in place for when I accuse you of trying to murder the king. I can't do that if you fucking retire. <laughs> and your son challenges me to a duel in like 27 minutes of getting the title because he would, right? He absolutely will. I think that's given what we've seen, we see we had a discussion about how this is the Per, like they start trusting her immediately and this is the perfect area for a spy so i i agree that that prediction makes a lot of sense given what we know yeah i just yeah the speed in which she showed up has already latched onto him it's like i know he's a womanizer but even he like he's got other duties to take care of he doesn't yeah. have time for this he spent hours today like reviewing the troops and stuff so like yeah how long could you possibly have known this girl that was a lie. Oh, I finished those inspections hours ago. Son, it's been 20 minutes. I found a girl. <laughs> yeah. Like, actually, the, the inspections should have taken about three more hours. I cut them short because uh, Danlin showed up. But that, that's neither here nor there, really. Yeah. Yes, I am in agreement about our, our new friend, the spy. That's honestly the only thing that makes sense to me <laughs> with that situation. Maybe. Just thinking about how Dalinar is supposed to be trusting Sadius. I wonder, you know, if it was Sadius's spy, maybe maybe there's a plan to put Dalinar in somewhere else, uh, to, I don't know, to achieve something, get him out of the way to, I don't know, expose something else. I don't know. I haven't really thought it through that, that much, I guess. But having Dalinar then resign might cause a bit of a disruption to whatever Sadius is trying to do. I just, yeah. like, Sadius doesn't seem to be a great guy, and it does seem like he's setting Dalinar up for a bit of a downfall. But if he's supposed to be trusting him, maybe it's for a reason. Maybe there's something else at play that we don't know about yet. Hmm. So I don't know. I don't know how that – I'll try and flesh that one out as, as we go through the next few weeks maybe. This very large spren at the end – so I'm wondering if this has got something to do with, like, whatever Sill is. Maybe all the faces that flash up are, like, these different spreads that are linked to it or something. I, I, I don't know. Because I'm still convinced that Sill is something different, even though we didn't see her this week. Yeah, I don't think Sill is a normal spread. I'm not a normal spread. And... Maybe this thing are linked, not knowing anything about this really big giant spren, but maybe maybe there's a few of them, and these faces are all the faces. Like I, I would be interested to see if one of the faces like was Sil's face, but it sounds mm. like they move pretty quickly, and you can't capture that 
Yeah. I'm I'm very I really, really hope that we get to see more of our our collector, Axie's the collector. He he was very cool. And sounds like he's he's got a pretty long lifespan. He's not worried about his research taking a really, really long time. Right. But he could just be going as far as he can take it, I guess. But yeah, that's probably all I've I've really got this week. Okay. I I like trying to go for the connection because you're right. Something is clearly different about Syl. And if you believe her, even she doesn't understand quite what is going on and why she's different. Mm. It kind of disturbs her. Yeah. So we've got her as kind of a weird spren. And then you get the giant thing is kind of a weird spren that we're not even sure what the hell kind of spren it is. So that is a good place to try to make a connection uh, just because at so- on some level, we're like, does anything connect to this, to, to Syl at, or, or this thing? Like it's, it's hard to find anything at this point. Yeah, and look, maybe through through axes we'll get an idea of like what Phil is. Maybe we'll learn more about different types of spren that he's researching. Because I mean, it did seem a bit like everything had an associated spren, mm. but like it really seems like everything's got an associated spren. It, and they just show up when they want, so it might not look like it's got one, but it, it clearly does. That shows up every once in a while. So yeah. Thousands of them. Spren are one of those things that, uh, or maybe, maybe kind of the biggest, because of how, how often we see them and how little we know about them. It's like, this is a thing that we would like more explanation of, please. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. What is, what is their purpose? What are they doing? What is Spren? I, I just, I, I don't understand. Yeah. Maybe we'll find out. Maybe we'll never find out. How weird would that be? All right. Okay. Let's uh, move. We'll do one email and we got a message on discord that we'll do and then um we don't have any new reviews or new patrons this time so we'll hit those things so we got a we got a message on discord from sasha it says the line about addy being a kind and generous man is why i've long thought of addy as being kind of a proto marsh it's all almost the same story isn't it a good man is warped by the power of ruin into becoming a monster i can't i can imagine addy in the earlier days slipping between relishing death and destruction and moments of lucidity where he's horrified at what he's becoming. It's possible that he took up ruin because he thought he'd be able to counter its effects, which again is reminiscent of Marsh becoming an obligator to save the ska. Unlike Marsh, Eddie doesn't get a moment of redemption. He dies as ruin. It's just so tragic. The scene in secret history where we briefly see him post death, he seems so confused. Like there hasn't been enough of him left to even know what's been going on these millennia. And then Kelsier hits him while he's still trying to figure out where he is. I just hope they have good therapists in the beyond. Anyway, wasn't to the time of next, and I'm glad you're enjoying the Way of Kings, Sasha. Don't you do it. Don't I mean, you dare to make me feel sympathy for for Addy. <laughs> I was about to say. I was about to say. I really don't feel sympathy for him. Like he was whatever he used to be. Like he chose to pick up the shard. I assume maybe it was foisted on them. I don't know the exact way that that worked, but maybe, maybe he, he was like last in line, and all that was left was like, <laughs> like, well, I got this shitty ruin power. Yeah, it was good ruin or odium. Which one am I gonna choose? I don't know. I guess ruin. <laughs> it's a very uh, interesting thought. You know, it could, uh, you know, it, it's it seems uh, in Brandon's wheelhouse for me to have us hate ruin and then try to make us feel sorry for him in the end. So I, yeah, I, no. I, I I kind of buy that being the way it goes. I can I can buy feeling sympathy for Atty 
for you know being brainwashed by the god power he took on. Uh, I, I can buy that. I can 100% buy that more than the Lord Ruler was doing things because he cared. <laughs> That's a, yeah, that, I, I can see how that would I'll, be easier to accept. I'll take Addy Apologies over Rashek Apologies any day. Fair. Freaking Rashek. Like, I, I'm still, they named a town after him in the New World. Like, oh. what, what the hell? All right. So let's thank you, Sasha. That's uh, for this thought provoking uh, bit uh, of uh, consideration here. Appreciate that. The next, the the email that we have, we have a couple emails. I think I'm just going to go into one because this one's kind of a longer one. This one is from Steven. It says, Hello, Sandra Lance crew. I discovered your podcast last fall as I was looking for Cosmere podcast to help me unpack all the details of Brendan's world, especially how, with how his books like the lost metal are becoming more and more interconnected. It's taken me a solid year to get caught up, and I have had a blast going back through the books with you all. A year seems like a reasonable amount of time, yeah. I have read pretty much everything Brandon has ever written, but like some other folks who have emailed, I had not yet read White Sand. So I took the opportunity to read along with you and predict my way along with the crew. Overall, I agree with the group's general thoughts that it was mostly just okay. I wasn't blown away by any of the twists, but it was a fine story and fun to learn about a new magic system and get more insight into Chris's backstory. Even though it's been several months since you all read it, I thought I'd share my best, worst, question mark, most entertaining predigments just for fun. My best, I'm proud to say that I called the true identity of the Lord Beggar almost immediately. The bandaged face got my wheels turning right away. I, I can kind of see that. Nice. Yeah. My worst, I had this big predigment that I'm going to call the grand alcohol theory. They kept going on about how alcohol and sand mastery don't mix. So I had this big theory about how alcohol makes sandmasters temporarily lose their powers, but then it would allow them to level up later. I was with Dak in that I suspected the redheaded assistant was involved and snuck alcohol into the ceremonial drink before the initial ambush. I thought the guild's missing money was because they were controlling alcohol production and distribution, and I was convinced that the constantly drunk Lord Admiral was going to be revealed as some kind of super sandmaster by the end of the book. Alas, Man, what a twist this, that would have been. I know, right? Like this big alcohol behind the scenes thing. <laughs> Alas, all of this turned out to be hilariously wrong. It definitely gave me an appreciation for your predigging skills. And I hope that this gives you a chance to chuckle at someone else's predicaments for once. I like the thought that went into this theory, though. That's uh, finding alcohol connections. <laughs> uh, I'm looking forward to revisiting Stormlight with you all. And thanks for the work you put into making such an entertaining show. Wasing to the time of next, Stephen. So, yeah, thanks. I like hearing uh, your, your predictions as you went through White Sand. That was kind of interesting. We don't uh, let's see. Yeah, we have one more, but I'll save that one for next time. For next time, speaking of, we're going to read three more chapters. So that will be interlude six and then chapters 29 and 30. So as we've already mentioned, the Seth interlude and then chapters 29 and 30. Part three, in case you were curious, does once again, includes Shalon as a viewpoint character, so we'll be getting back to, to her. It's been so long. <laughs> it's been long. No. Um, if you'd like to send us emails, the address is the Sander, thesanderlanch at gmail.com. Find us on Instagram and X and Patreon, where hopefully by the time that – no, I'm not going to say hopefully. By the time this goes up, I, you will be getting my reactions to Defiant. I've recorded the first one, two, three, four, five episodes that will be going up for that. One of them should have gone up the Thursday before we recorded this. 
Unfortunately, I did not have time to edit it before that point, so it did not go up. We just skipped a new thing on Thursday, but I'm hoping to have that ready before Tuesday. Coming up on Christmas has just been a crazy busy time, so I'm doing what I can do. So the Defiant stuff will start going up. Like I said, by the time this episode comes out, hopefully the first one will be up. Well, the first few. Uh, it's It's been interesting so far. It's... As the fourth book in the series, this one kind of hits the ground running and hasn't let up much at all. It's kind of like – I almost feel like we're getting us a, a book of Sanderlanch in in that book. So I won't say more than that. But uh, if you want to hear my reactions, check out our Patreon. Music by Miracle of Sound. Remember, three more chapters for next time. So interlude and then chapters 29 and 30, the first two chapters of part three. Part three, by the way, is called Dying. So that's very uplifting part name. So if you're reading along, read those with us. We'll uh, definitely have some interesting things to discuss there. And wasing to the time of next. Colo, P.S. Fasher. Crabs ahoy!